We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the big sky conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. the club for the vandals of idaho welcome back tribe from the north brave and pull to the official unofficial podcast of your idaho vandals and your vandal affiliate on the big sky podcast network i am your host chris hammond and join with me today i have the professor brian marceau how the hell are you brian better than saturday which means i'm all right and running the show from the shadows, producer Hammer. How are you, Dallas Hammer? I am fantastic. So, Mrs. Hammer today got into the curriculum and instruction master's degree program at U of I. So, super stoked to have another vandal in my family. And on Vandal Giving Day, nonetheless. So, if you haven't donated, do it. I think Dallas, are you an ambassador? Yes, I am. So, we'll share the link somewhere. It'll be going tomorrow. Oh, uh, and then you might have noticed him staring there at the bottom of the screen wearing the hat that does not match. Kyler, Neil, how are you, Kyler? I'm good, man. Uh, got off work literally five minutes ago and popped right onto the tubs of the club. So, you know, I'm happy to be here, bud. Yep. Well, you know, we're, we're you, your team, opposite of Idaho, improving weekly. Yeah. Idaho's team. Not mad. Yeah. But we'll get into that after we thank our sponsor for this show and every show, the Montecue Pass. We need our Anaheim Ducks update. They suck. <laughs> Perfect. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky cold snacks donates 8% of profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the Latin American lager for Pow Pow Rippers, Gator Wranglers, Pony Riders, and Badass Do-Gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. Around the Bar, brought to you by HughesRiver.com. Uh, ooh, ooh. Brian, explain what we're doing here. This was your genius idea on how to bring the listeners back on to the show. Yeah, so... We had a lot of time to fixate on our uh, our devastating weekend, and which means I spent five million percent more time on Twitter Saturday night than I usually did. Saw so there's some hashtag Ask Tubs questions we had failed to uh, see, so we're going to bring back hashtag Ask Tubs. It's just not a segment. We're going to use it throughout the show where it makes sense, and really to tee us off. Very first question comes from Patrick. God, how do you pronounce his last name? Is it Frex? 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 I don't know. Let's ask the Eagle. No pressure. Yeah, good enough for me. <laughs> okay. Patrick, we asked, it's in the comment section, man. Uh, ask, ask you to send us your phonetic pronunciation. If not, just DM me on Twitter. We will quit screwing this up someday, I promise. But uh, Patrick asked, how many Montucky cold snacks did it take to get over Saturday? Saturday, he's talking about our 24-22 loss to Idaho State. Dallas and I are already recorded about that game but chris due to technical difficulties we did not get your hot take so tell patrick man how many montucky cold snacks did it take well my answer to that is uh i spent 75 dollars at hooligans 
I spent twenty four bar or twenty four dollars at the press box. Uh, so you round that up, I spent about a hundred dollars. And I will tell you, other than some brain hemorrhages and two gold tops, the rest were cold snacks. So about a hundred dollars worth. You know, your your version's better than mine, which is um, not to be unfun or something like that, but just because of medical stuff, I don't drink that much. Um, so I just got to be stone cold sober while dealing with uh, the ramifications of Saturday, then not being able to record, which you might think would have tempered things. It actually, it just fermented, man. Uh, so by the time, by the time we were recording, we hadn't relaxed. Our uh, disappointment was effervescent, you might say. Uh, but Kyler, just throw it to you for a second. Um, I mean, when you saw Idaho lost to Idaho State, what, what was your take? Um, yeah, I actually thought Idaho would take this game. Um, I get like Idaho State; they've been very competitive. Um, I mean, they took UC Davis, Eastern Washington to the wire. But when I was watching those games, I thought UC Davis and Eastern Washington both did more to keep Idaho State in the game than Idaho State was trying to control the game. So I really thought Idaho would come out there; they'd win the Battle of the Domes or whatever you guys want to call it. You know, the King Spud, which I think is awesome, but. Yeah, man, I was actually fairly surprised. I really wanted a four and one, or I guess three and one Idaho, since one of your games is canceled versus a four and one Eastern playoffs. But unfortunately, that happened. Hi, well, Jesus Christ, Alex. Um, Chris, you were at the game, and again, we're going to transition off here real quick. Dallas and I already talked about it, but just maybe what you saw in person was better than what we saw on that terrible quality stream. I was good. Well, if it's terrible squad, and I saw they had the one eye bandit calling the game too. So uh, glad I didn't have that. Um, you know, I'm unlike everybody else. I've been following the Twitter stuff. Uh, luckily I had my phone, my phone. I didn't bring my charger. So it died before the game ended. Um, Sat there, watched it with Nick Davis, one of our listeners, and his son. So it was kind of fun uh, going back and forth. We had cool Idaho State guys behind us. But I was just sitting there the whole time talking to these, like, 16, 17-year-olds. I'm like, I don't get why you guys are running the ball. Like, you guys have to be averaging about one yard a carry running the ball. And I'm like, and you get in third and 12, and then you throw the ball, and you pick up 15. I'm like, you've gone deep, like, four times for 40 yards. Like, I don't understand why you're not airing it out. And then I got to the point where they were even sitting there like, why are we running the ball? It was great. But – um, you know, I picked us to lose this game. So I'm glad I wasn't there on Sunday. I probably would have been a little too feisty with some people. I don't know why many Vandal fans thought we were going to win this game. I thought it was obvious the two way the teams were trending. Idaho State, as we mentioned, hung with, I know we talked all their losses are top 25 teams, but all those teams were flirting with the top 10. And here we were barely in the top 25. It was a matchup nightmare for us. Uh, it was obvious. We did everything to stop the run. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but Idaho State did not feel like they threw the ball an exorbitant amount of times, but when they did, it was highly efficient. Uh, Nikhil Nair, uh, Nair having to come in. I'm always going to call him Nair. That's my guy. But, you know, after Mike Beaudry probably took the majority of the reps and then Beaudry goes down on concussion protocol and here we are, we're throwing him in and uh, it's the opposite performance that we got from him uh, a week ago. So, uh, I thought we were going to lose this game. Uh, unlike when I was talking about Southern Utah, where at the end of the game, I just had that feeling like as a Seahawks fan that like, it's all going to work out. Like I I'm not worried at all. Russell Wilson is going to drive down the field and they are going to win. 
This felt like the opposite. This felt like Idaho. Sitting there, I actually thought when we went down nine, I said, there's no way we're going to pull this off. Even then when we scored the touchdown to Hayden Hatton, I said, I don't think we're going to be able to pull this one off. We got the ball back. I do not think they were going to pull this one off. So I never had that feeling. So for me, this is not as big of a shock to me because um, as it apparently was to some people, I thought I did a pretty good job last week explaining we were probably going to lose this game. So uh, it was sad. Uh, One trick I did learn to just close a note on the Battle of the Domes, not a super intelligent football IQ-wise fan base, haven't attended a lot of close games. Uh, I picked up that on defense, like I like to get loud. I would just yell Idaho, and then they would all yell state. Like how when Boise yells Boise and we yell sucks, they would all. I would just yell Idaho on third down for their offense, and I would yell Idaho to try to get Idaho fans loud, and the Idaho State people would just yell state at the end of it before we could yell Vandals. And it took until halftime where finally some guy went, ah, we're not falling for that anymore. The entire first half, I was able to punk Idaho State's fan base to help us be loud on third down, which was quite awesome. So hopefully we can remember that because we do return in the fall to Holt Arena. So let's shut the book on that disaster. But I will say, hey, I only root for winners. Oh, yeah. You know, Chris, I guess the devastation, that what part of the devastation I had is I was ecstatic for this weekend to be a, a de facto playoff game. And it is for half the teams playing, uh, as in it is for Eastern Washington, Kyler. Your Eagles are 4-1. and one. That's yep. a four-game winning streak. Honestly, if you guys are uh, – you're undefeated outside the Kibbe Dome, 0% winning record in the Kibbe Dome last two years, but still undefeated outside the Kibbe Dome this spring. Tell us about your Eagles, man. I mean, we our, our listeners saw you, but the big thing they probably took away from what we saw the first time is their receivers don't catch the ball. Obviously, that stabilized a little bit. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the wide receivers for Eastern Washington, we have three of the top five in the big sky. I mean, they're obviously catching the ball more. I think what hurt was a little bit of the leadership that was gone in that first game versus Idaho. You know, Andrew Boston is our premier wide receiver, even though Lemu Jones is having a phenomenal year. I mean, he's he's kind of the leading guy, but he's had a game more than Andrew Boston. Um, but young guys like Freddie Roberson, he's he's starting to take over as well. Eastern Washington wide receivers are what I have considered one of the most athletic wide receivers group Eastern Washington's ever had. They just make a lot of mental errors, and it seems like it's cleaning up with some of that leadership. But I, I kind of wonder how much of an issue was having Andrew Boston gone in that first game. How much was an issue of having Aaron Best maybe not there um, helping some of the play calling or just more of the leadership around the actual sidelines? I'm not sure, but it seems like every single week we're dropping less. So that's kind of exciting. You know, hopefully we can keep it up, but it seems like we're peaking at the right time, which is which is pretty nice. But yeah, I mean, wide receivers, we, we are a, a tough group to handle. Yeah, and you know, Eric Berrier, uh, we have to talk about it, about it. Like to us, this is not new, but Eric Berrier, only returning quarterback in the league, having, I mean, he's no Keandre Woodty or anything like that, but having another great season, 16 touchdowns, six interceptions, 64% completion, averaging 375.8 yards per game, which is 60 yards above number two, Tyler Vanderwall. Uh, you guys lead the league in offense. Scoring, four, scoring 41.2 points a game. Um, 
I guess really we taught people on the big sky podcast network had talked about maybe this is a prove it year for our investor, something like that looked kind of ugly after the Idaho game and then hanging tough with Idaho state. But uh, I mean, if this was a prove it year, man, it looks like he's proved it. Yeah. I, I still don't think like, you know, this was supposed to be a year in the sense of he, no, his job t- was not on the line. I mean, he's been with Eastern Washington for three years. We went to a national championship game. Last year, we were literally a D2 schedule away from making the playoffs. We would have got in over North Dakota. You know, the first year he took over, we had three NFL wide receivers leave. We had a fourth NFL linebacker leave. We had a lot of turnover, a lot of coaching changes, and we still had a seven-win year. I mean, if that is one of those things that puts your coach on a pedestal of, hey, you need to prove it or else you're gone. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of Eastern Washington fans were – we're acting like it is a prove it year, but I mean, the worst he's done is seven wins in a season. And it's not like in 2017, we had a tough or an easy road. North Dakota state came to Eastern Washington. Weber state was a quarterfinal team. They played at Eastern Washington. Those are the only two games we have lost at home in the regular season in four years. I mean, we were literally an easier schedule away from going to the playoffs this first year. You take away North Dakota State and put in one of the lower tier FCS teams, we're in the playoffs. Last year, you take away, you know, Lindenwood and put in one of the lower tier FCS teams, like give us San Diego, we're in the playoffs. So it it is kind of weird. Unfortunately, that's just how the cookie crumbles with Eastern Washington and our scheduling. You know, it's either we're going to have a road game, an FBS game, and then a D2 team at home. Or, you know, maybe multiple road games. And unfortunately, when you're Eastern Washington can't afford to pay a lot of teams to come here, that's your out of conference and you have to capitalize, which we did not when we played Idaho last year. But overall, I mean, have you watched Eric Berry the last few weeks? He is single-handedly beating teams with his scrambling ability. We should be leading the conference in sacks given up. But for some reason, we have the best stats on on not giving up any stacks because Eric Berry is scrambling 50 yards every single play, it seems like, in the backfield. And, and also, Kyler uh, and Chris, I, this is actually a place where it would be great to, to get your reaction once uh, Kyler walks us through. Eastern defensively also, they look pretty tough. Uh, yeah. Number two scoring defense in the league at 23 points per game. We're going to throw like a minor asterisk of like, hey, Cal, playing Cal Poly helps. But if you, if you strike Cal Poly from the schedule, it's like 25, not 23. So it's not that big a difference. Total defense, Eastern's number three, 370 yards per game, right up there with UC Davis, Weber State. We saw Eastern look pretty tough on uh, defensively against Idaho in week one. That certainly appears. Idaho State scored a decent amount against you guys. But other than that, um, Eastern's been pretty pretty tough on the opposite end of the ball, which yeah, if you're a brain-dead fan who isn't really paying attention to Eastern, like the, the way you template the Eagles is, yeah, they score a ton but give up a ton. Um, I mean, this this team, really, man, uh, it's just, just a, a well-rounded football team. Yeah, it, it's been nice. Um, it seems like we're leaning more towards the 2018 style instead of, you know, last year where – I guess 2019, where we were giving up quite a bit of points. We were getting up quite a bit of yards. We pretty much lead the big sky and, you know, top three in pretty much every category until you go to what the special teams and we're really struggling compared to the rest of the big sky. But in, in terms of our defense, you know, we got a lot of young studs, but it, our defensive line is very improved compared to, you know, last year. Uh, we were struggling. 
we still have some young defensive backs and it seems like every single week they are getting better, but you know, a giant game against Idaho state where it seems like the whole middle of the field was open uh, for a lot of Idaho state's passes. They were able to throw it 10 yards right in the middle. Same with Idaho for um, that second half of the game. Well, that seems to close. I don't think we're running as much zone. We're actually playing more athletic. We're lining up with the wider receivers and saying, all right, now you have to beat us because we do have a very athletic group of defensive backs. So, I mean, it's promising. Uh, We're still not at the level to where I think we can win a national championship with our defense, but every single week our defense is getting better and it's making our offense not have to work as hard, which is, you know, pretty nice. I mean, Cal Poly, I mean, UC Davis, not Cal Poly, UC Davis, phenomenal team overall. They're a really strong team, great defensive team, great offensive team. And really no part in this game did Eastern Washington feel like we could potentially lose this game. We kind of controlled them from the get-go. And uh, we really pretty much dominated them throughout the whole game. I mean, the stat, we only won by 10. If you watch the game, it felt like it was a 20-point win for the most of the game. Um, but I like how we're finally putting some things together. And defensively, we look much stronger than 2019, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> I'm just not worried about Eastern's defense because I don't think it's going to be the factor in this game at all. I mean, I don't want to flirt too much with our keys to the game. I don't think how well Eastern's defense plays is going to have much of an outcome in this game. I, I said, um, and everyone called me crazy after week one, when I thought said I thought Eastern had a very improved defense. Everyone's like, ah, oh, well, it's Idaho's offense, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, I think Eastern's defense is going to end up being one of the better defenses in the conference. And I stand by that and they've proved it. That's shorthanded with people. Um, but as far as this game goes, I don't think it's coming down to Eastern's defense versus Idaho's offense. I think Idaho's offense is going to get in its way as much as Eastern's defense is going to stop it. So for me, it, it's good to see for Eastern. It's good for the big sky. If they are able to come out of this game with a win, uh, their chances in the playoffs increase the, uh, their run abilities to maybe from a first round knockout to maybe a two game run with this defense. But I mean, it's not going to impact this game at all. I imagine two turnovers from Idaho and one's probably more of a dumb one where it didn't matter who we were playing. And then one's one that's forced. I, I don't know. Not Eastern's defense does not register on my scale of importance in, for this game. I have to say, Chris, maybe we have to circle back to bring up the Idaho State topic. Because I got to say, this is um, not that any of us should be up on Idaho after we just scored 22 points against the worst defense we played uh, last week, the entire season. I'm going to say this is the most muted I've heard you sound talking Idaho, Chris. Uh, I mean, at this point, I think we know what we are. Um, bad? I, no, I don't think we're bad either. I mean, we're two and two. Probably got a chance to finish the year three and three. I mean, we beat a top 25 team this year. I I don't think we're bad either. <laughs> I, I just think we're middle of the pack and that that's what it is. <laughs> so I said, I'm not on this whole, we're bad train. I mean, heck you want to talk like Southern Utah took Weber state top five team as close as they played Idaho. So, I mean, it, the big sky is just freaking wonky. Uh, I did put Idaho at six in my power rankings because I think right now 
they are the sixth team. I think they're going to be incredibly demoralized after the Idaho State game. I'm not sure if they can go from that to, you know, run it up the freaking wall against Eastern. It's easier when Eastern was the first game of the year last year and you had all this time to build energy, make hype videos, study all the tape, and really get into it. Yeah, maybe you're like, well, we really want to take it to Eastern. We care more about Eastern than Idaho State anyways. But I don't think you can just shuffle past that Idaho State game energy-wise. Um, so, I don't know. You, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, okay. There's well, well, at the bottom. <laughs> I mean, that's something Dallas and I talked about. So this team is very close to 4 But before we get the keys to the game, this game means a, it's a very different game for both teams playing which is probably going to relate to the keys to the game. Kyler, just to explain to maybe to me, like I'm the dumbest person in the world, Eastern does have a decent amount on the line in this game. So from the Eastern perspective, what does this game mean to you? Never, I mean, never mind the rivalry, which, hey, you guys do have a two-game losing streak against us. That's like the thing we can pat ourselves on the back on right now. But in terms of what this season actually translates to for you guys, this is a playoff game. Yeah, I mean – I think Idaho made this whole season very important for us by kind of, you know, I'm not going to say shutting us out, but I think Idaho in the first week definitely outplayed Eastern Washington. There's some things that didn't go our way, of course, but I mean, overall, Idaho outplayed us. And ever since that game, Eastern Washington has been on the playoff field. We had to win every single game. We have been literally, it's been a whole month of being a playoff caliber schedule. We have to win every single game if we want a chance because with only playing six games in this weird five, potentially six at-larges, because we still don't know if the MIAC is fully going to get an at-large. There's rumors that if all three teams in the MIAC right now do not play each other and Hampton's not scheduled one of the teams, well, then they do not get one of their at-larges. So there could potentially be five to six at-larges, which means if the Big Sky hopes to have any type of two teams, I mean, I almost said it in the beginning of the year that even a five and one does not 100% guarantee a big sky team in this, in this playoff field uh, for an at large. But I mean, with a five game winning streak, it's probably going to be pretty hard to keep Eastern Washington out. If we can go into, I- or can go into roost and uh, beat Idaho, but this is a hundred percent a playoff game. If we, Eastern Washington wants to keep their playoff hopes alive, this is a game we have to dominate. Uh, not just win. I even think we have to dominate just to 100% secure position. If it's a close game and maybe some of the other teams like, Let's say Murray State wins and they beat Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State has eight wins because they played in the fall. Does Jacksonville State, even though they have three FCS losses, get in or three losses get above Eastern? Probably just because they have that many more wins. So this is one of those games where I think Eastern Washington not just has to win a close game. I think just to 100% secure it. We probably got to win by 14, 20. And then if we win by a close game, we are on the bubble most likely getting in. Yeah. And see, I think something that just needs to be good. How, I know this is a broader topic. Is there some – is the big sky put in the situation we're in because the Montana, Montana school, Montana State schools dropped that the stats voters refused to put, let's say, lesser-known big sky teams ranked? Because I think if you're looking at this conference right now, the depth of it alone, I mean – the Missouri Valley is getting patted on the back for how deep their conference is and how all these games are competitive. And you're looking at the big sky, a team like Southern Utah, who nobody has beliefs in, has been competitive in every single game. NAU takes Weber State to the freaking wire. Like, 
the only team that was actually bad in the big sky so far this spring is Cal Poly. And I think that it stinks. So I think at the end of the day, we probably have three teams that probably deserve to be in the playoffs, but because we're not the Missouri Valley who started with four teams in the top 10 and you and I still ranked at seven with three losses. I like, I think we just got screwed here because national perception is, Oh, without the Montana schools, the big skies aren't big skies in anything. And I think the two Montana schools would have struggled this spring. I don't think either of them would be about, I think Southern Utah might've been able to get both of them. Like, I just think the big sky got like nailed into a hole at the beginning of the season. And the Missouri Valley has been getting patted on the back. And I think you see it with the CAA too, where everybody said the CAA North was going to be this battle between Albany and New Hampshire and everybody. And then Villanova, and then it's turning out to be freaking uh, Rhode Island and Delaware. Like, but because they got to beat those really high prestigious teams, those both those teams are going to go in with JMU. And I just think like Big Sky got a little screwed here, where I think we definitely have a third team. Like, I think depending mayhem happens here down the stretch, UC Davis, Eastern, and Weber deserve to be in the playoffs. Can I can I do a little rebuttal? Sure. Because here's here's also a little bit of it. I actually do not think NAU is good. I do not think Southern. No, Utah I don't is think good. NAU is good. But um, I think our depth is getting undermined. I I think I think here's the problem with the Big Sky right now. We have a lot of teams in the Big Sky who typically don't win by a lot of points anyway. Weber's not one of those teams that blows teams out. Idaho is not one of those teams. Even if they win, they blow teams out. So you have literally some really good teams who can struggle versus bottom teams and win ugly because that's the style of them. Where in Montana, they're not a team with their new style with Bobby Houck that's going to struggle with the bad teams, I don't think. Montana State is another one of those teams that a lot of the times they win ugly. Right, (laughs) right. But I mean, (laughs) I feel like the big sky where in most of the decade was known for these horrible defenses, high-flying offenses, and it was just a shootout. Now there's really only three teams that are playing that way, and then maybe one day Cal Poly is going to get in that same thing, but it's Eastern Washington, Idaho State, Northern Arizona. Those are the offensive teams where everyone else, if they win, typically they're going to win ugly, and it's going to be closer even though maybe it shouldn't be just because stylistic-wise, Weber's not a team that is going to go into many schools and say, all right, we're going to put 40 on you, and we're only going to hold you to 10. They're going to win a lot of 21 to 18-type games where really the only team that's out here that has a good enough defense and a strong enough offense to make those bad teams look really bad, I would say is Eastern Washington. I mean, you saw what we did with NAU. I think we would do the same thing with, you know, Southern Utah. And then guess what? We played really bad versus Idaho state and still scored 14 in the last minute and a half. It seems like Um, we kept them in, but I, I, I think it's just the style of the big sky is becoming more and more defensive heavy. We are running more than we ever have. We are winning the ugly battles, which, is probably making our postseason successful, more successful than just having that one team who has a high flying offense. Everyone else overall is more balanced, but I don't think that makes the big sky stronger. I just it's, think it means the better balanced teams are going to win ugly versus the bad teams. Does UC Davis beat Rhode Island? I think I think the big sky is the second strongest conference still. Um, and I'm I think saying, UC Davis does UC Davis not deserving of a playoff spot this year. I think they're better than Rhode Island. I think they're better than Missouri State. I think they're better than North Dakota. I think all they're, of them besides probably, North Dakota won't get into the playoffs, though. That's I think they're better than thing. Nichols. I'm not positive Nichols gets in either. But I think yeah, I think we might different see. Podca- different podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just sitting here. I'm going like UC Davis. Yeah. I mean, what? The ranked 13th? Like, 
Yeah, you should. I think they're better than Nichols. I think they're better than the third team from the CAA. I think they're going to be better than the third team and fourth team possibly from the Missouri Valley. And I think they would give South Dakota State a run. And South Dakota State was my preseason number one team. Right. I think so. I think it's UC Davis can get screwed in this, or Eastern's going to get screwed because mayhem happens, and UC Davis gets in over Eastern, and then you're sitting here going, "Well, Eastern's better than those teams too." I mean, but so two things. One, I well, two weeks early. Bit, with this, I disagree but. a little bit with the take, which is no, like the bottom teams are being much more competitive than la- than last season. The the bottom teams are getting their asses kicked week in week out. I mean, we all made fun of teams like Idaho State. They are certainly looking better. Whether they're playing Eastern Washington, whether they're playing Idaho, the, this Idaho State team is is yeah. looking a lot more competitive. Ditto Southern Utah. We made fun of Southern Utah on like every single Big Sky Podcast Network show. Now, are they world beaters? No. It's that there there aren't garbage teams left in the conference. There were garbage teams at the. Yeah. At I mean, the Portland State team. and Northern Colorado aren't playing, but well, Portland State <laughs> pitched a shutout against Idaho. So I mean, if they're That's garbage, true. if they were garbage, what the hell does I mean? Are well, two thousand nineteen Idaho was pretty freaking garbagey close. Maybe it was recycling, but well, I mean, Idaho's offense is abs- is absolutely no better this year than we were last year. I mean, that's uh, that's separate topic for for adjudicating Paul Petrino, which we already know what some people are here. What is this now? Question to transition back to Idaho. Like, I think Kyler, I'm with you about what Eastern Wa- this game means for Eastern Washington. It's a playoff game. And you guys not only need the win, you're playing for style points because the spring is weird. You guys, unfortunately, if you beat the hell out of Idaho, it gives you style points, but it also means you have both a worse loss and a worse win at the same time. But there's six games. What else, there's nothing else for you to do. What does this game mean for Idaho, Chris? And also, I, we got to pull Dallas in after Chris on what this game means for Idaho because – I think every there's no one in the world, because you already referenced it too. Previously, we had the entire pre-spring season to hype the game, had great results. There is not close to that type of positive energy from the team or the fan base coming in this weekend. Well, apparently, it's to make people realize that maybe they're not garbage. <laughs> I mean, if they can hang competitive against the Eastern Washington that has no doubt improved week over week on the road, at least they'll maybe silence some of those voices and you'll be like, okay, we hung close against the number nine team on the country on the road. Uh, winning it would completely flip the script to then it would be like, like where does Idaho find consistency in the fall? Um, but my take on this is somebody who doesn't think Idaho's team is trash. Uh, I think it just comes down to uh, Beaudry probably not going to play. Jordan probably not going to play. It's going to be, how good can Nikhil get? Is he going to get a serious? This is his prove it game. We got to see what Mike Beaudry was able to do against Eastern. Is Nikhil Nair going to have a legit shot to compete in the fall? Uh, and with that, I mean, at this point, if this game is not close to the second half, you immediately start shifting the depth. I mean, Colin Carcock touched on it. Against Idaho State, we only had four active wide receivers. So, if you have some of those guys coming back this week, you put guys like Cottrell on the bench if this one's not close. He has not played to his potential this year. Hasn't played bad. I think he's still top 10 in the big sky uh, in terms of like some stats, but it's like he has not played up to his potential. He looks like Eastern's wide receivers with a lot of drops. Um, I think you shelf him. I think you shelf Trey. I think you shelf Chuck. I think you shelf – well, you let Christian decide what Christian wants to do. He might be playing for draft stock. Um but I think you start shelving some of these dudes in the secondary. 
start throwing some of the young buds in there. Let's see Arnell and some of these dudes and get Jalen out. And let's like, all right, what's the future going to get? Cause we got to start building towards fall. So if you're Idaho, it's a combo of getting depth and apparently killing the perception that this team is somehow bad. Um, after two games, they should have lost and uh, winning two games that they, well, one game that they shouldn't have won and one game that they did. I disagree with most of that. I think this game is going to be a bloodbath. Um, this is going to be a, let's see what the young kids can do when Eastern's up by five scores very quickly. Uh, the last time Idaho played Eastern, it was 31-0 at half, and they completely just took the foot off the gas at the end of the half. I don't think that's going to happen. Kyler was saying it. They need to beat the shit out of Idaho this weekend if they really want to confirm that they're going to get one of those at-large bids. Uh, they're they're not going to let up. They are going to cream Idaho. But you're also comparing 2018 Idaho to 2018 Eastern that went to the national title game. Like, yeah. They're different teams. Eastern is not going to the national title game this year. Can I keep talking? I'm uh, sure. I'm just saying I don't see how you so, think they're going to get that. Paul Petrino in his time in the big sky has won one game on the road. They've scored over 30 points four times against FCS opponents. This Eastern team is hungry. Ido has nothing to play for. This game is going to get really ugly, really fast. And that's just, it's what's going to happen. It's a third string quarterback who looked awful last week. Now he didn't get from what we're assuming. He did not get any sort of practice time. It was Beaudry all the way. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Nyer got thrown in in an awful situation once again. But from what we saw last week against a really bad Idaho State defense, there's nothing there that makes me think that all of a sudden everything's going to click and Idaho's going to score enough to hang with Eastern. Well, then or what about in going to Southern, Southern Utah when he played great against a good Southern Utah defense? Are you just saying that, like, are you just judging this based off one week instead of the whole body of work? I just don't get how you think this game is going to be such a blowout. Like, well, to me, I just don't see it. Okay. Uh, well, I would venture that Idaho has the worst pass defense in the big sky of the remaining teams. And Did it matter in week one? Best quarterback and the best receivers. I don't think they're the best receivers. But I, I don't know. I just think – I'm sorry. I think it's a bad take. That's all. <laughs> all right. We'll see you on the weekend. Yeah. I will say we got three of the top five. Yeah, I just I just don't think Eastern watching their games, a lot of drops. Barry has a tendency to overthrow, and it doesn't fix the fact that in week one, the whole thing we said why Barry struggled is because we have speed on the outside that other teams in the big sky don't have, and that's why Barry wasn't able to scramble. That's why Barry has had so much better games against everybody else, is because they don't have the contained pressure that Idaho has. That four the three four is set up to keep the quarterback where it is. So Barry is definitely, totally I would wager is going to have a better game than he did week one. I, I don't think it, it's crazy to say that, but I don't think we're down 31 zero when you're comparing one of the worst Idaho teams of all time against one of the best Eastern teams of all time. I don't think you're going to get a similar result. I don't think Eastern's anywhere close to where they were in 2018 right now. And I think comparing the 2020 Idaho team that possibly has three NFL guys on defense to a team that had one dude who was a sophomore is just, I I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. Our secondary is bad. Um, but Aaron Bass also, 
hasn't been able to really touch it the last couple of years. And I do think on the road it's going to be different. But, I mean, I, I'll i be happy to see what the spread is on this one. But I'll tell you what, if it's 31, you, I'm putting a lot of money on the freaking Idaho to cover. To I don't think back, they're losing by 31. Going to pull back real quick uh, just to go – just to give my quick take on what the game means for Idaho. Um, we've Idaho has a scoring margin of about negative one point this season, which is, I mean, part of why we've had frustration. Fan, other fans that reach out to us have had frustrations of after the Eastern game, it seemed like this team was going to take a step. And it seems like we're slightly, we, what we actually are is a slightly better version of what we were last season. What this neat game means for Idaho is if we can pull off a win, it guarantees a winning season is still alive. That would be a huge deal for Idaho. Um, if we, I mean, look, finishing a ra- finishing at exactly 500 is on the table, which Paul Trino has not done since 2016. That is a kind of big deal for Idaho. If we can make it a winning season instead of a just not losing season, that's a pretty big deal. Also, like the road thing is until Idaho can show that it can win not just a game on the road, but uh, games against solid teams who are not Northern Arizona at the end of the year in like the most meaningless game in the world, which we fortunately get to relive this season too. It's going to be hard to, to classify Idaho as anything beyond a, a talented team that is underperforming yet again, which I think that's a fair description of the last couple seasons. So to me, Idaho does have a lot of pride on the line in this game. We don't have the stakes of Eastern Kyler, where we can get into the playoffs, but in spite of the frustrations that fans see of, you know, what you call might call some misses this season uh, that we just wish went the other way, finishing like the most frustrating four and two in the history of football is on the table. Yeah, which and, us. and if you win this game, I mean, it, I'd still don't think this would break Idaho's way in any imagine of this situation. If Idaho beats Eastern, you have a couple teams sitting at two losses. Like, that's the big thing there. If we can take care of Northern Arizona, which history would tell us if we did beat Eastern, we're definitely losing Northern Arizona. Uh, you have a couple teams that just finished the year four and two. Like, then you're tied with Eastern. You're tied with UC Davis. You're probably not going to outrank them. You're probably not going to be the one that gets the bid. You probably just ruined the big sky's shot at a bid. But at the end of the day, if you win this game and somehow don't for once blow it after an Eastern win, you have three teams sitting at four and two. Like then you're in the method. Yeah. You have the both head to heads against Eastern and a, a loss to UC Davis. Then the fall is just a whole convoluted mess on what the upper middle of the conference is and where the Montana schools fit into it. So I do agree with you, Brian, you got a good point. Like there is still something online for Idaho. Like, at the end of the day, if you beat Eastern, you basically just brought Eastern to your level. Exactly. And Kyler, we're going to throw it to you for we, – we already touched on this a little bit, but uh, keys to the game, man. Um, I don't care if you go to Idaho-centric or Eastern-centric, probably Eastern-centric. You're the Eastern expert here anyway. Uh, keys to the game, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Chris brought up a very good point, and it is very valid that – you know, some of the reasons why Eric Berrier is so good is because his ability to scramble out of the pocket and extend plays. Idaho overall has a very talented defensive line. They are fast. They're agile. You know, it is tougher for Eric to get out of the pocket when you have Idaho's defensive line in there. Um, so I, I really do think that is one of the keys to the game. If we, if our offensive line, which they are, they have improved 
but it's still Eric Berrier is scrambling for his life. If you watch the UC Davis game, it was like every other play. The only reason why we're giving up so few sacks is because Eric is able to, within inches, escape every single sack and make a play out of nothing. Um, and with Idaho, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. So the key to the game is really, can Eastern Washington give a little bit more time for Eric Berrier to read some of his reads? If he can, I do think this is still a, a mismatch on paper if Eric Berrier can have an extra second. If he can't, Idaho can 100% win this game. They can capitalize when when Eric is on the run. If he doesn't have time to make all of his reads and extend plays and Idaho's in his face, he's going to make some throws that are, you know, over the heads of the, our wide receivers. He's done that quite a bit. But I do think, you know, having Andrew Boston in there, having Aaron Best in there is a little bit of a difference maker in every single game. We are definitely having less and less drops. And I definitely disagree with Chris when he says Eastern Washington's wide receivers aren't the best in the big sky right now. The stats are proving it. They have cleaned up a lot of their drops. They are way more athletic than, you know, maybe they are showing. They're also a mismatch on paper for any defensive back. I mean, what, the shortest guy is 6'2"? I mean, overall for a FCS team, our offensive wide receivers are a mismatch as long as they can capitalize. And the only way they're going to capitalize is if we can give Eric Berrier an extra second against the Idaho's defensive line. If not, it's going to be another long day where Eric's still probably going to have 400 yards, but he's going to overshoot some guys and it's going to be an ugly style game. See, anybody not best in the league, I am talking strictly what I believe talent wise. I think they are extremely a product of that system. Uh, and that to be said does recruit really good, like wide receivers. I'm not saying they got a bunch of Bush league, you know, me's out me out there in cleats on stilts, but um, I, I do think they benefit a lot from Eastern definitely throws the ball more than anybody else. Uh, I just think when you look at guys like Tanner Connor and stuff, well, that's also big area out of offense. I mean, they're definitely not bad. I just don't think by any stretch of the imagination, like if you asked me the number one wide receiver in the game, I would hands down tell you an Eastern wide receiver. And uh, doubt. Dallas keys keys the game from your end now. It's the Idaho pass rush. It, it absolutely is. I, I think we we all know that. That's the only thing that could potentially give Idaho any chance to keep this game close. The secondary sure isn't going to do it. The offense isn't going to do it. It's going to be the pass rush trying to keep Eastern from scoring seventy or sixty or fifty. If they can get to Barrier, maybe get him on the turf a couple times, but keep him from extending plays. That's the that's the shot Idaho's got. I don't think it's a great one. I don't I don't think there's enough there because the secondary just isn't good enough in pass coverage. But that's the key for for Idaho. For Eastern, it's just if Barrier has enough time to find the open guy, that's going to do it. I'm going to go a different direction, and I'm going to say I mean I don't disagree with any any of what you guys are saying. Our Idaho strength is front seven. If our front seven isn't having footprint on the game, there's no reason to really spend much time talking about Idaho. But if we're going to turn this into a win, because look, our front seven absolutely dominated Idaho State. Uh, we certainly got to Tyler Vanderwall. They could not run whatsoever. We still lost. I think our offense has to put together sustained drives. They're our best offense, our best defense is actually going to be can we keep Mike Beaudry, sorry, can we keep Eric Berrier off the field? so that he is not going – so he doesn't have the chance to exploit our secondary. Offensively, Idaho has – I mean, look, I think last week was probably our least impressive showing, which makes sense. Uh, 
we just have to hope Nikhil has a an outing closer to what we saw against Southern Utah because we look we saw it for around a half, which means it does exist. Uh, however, what we saw against Idaho State is really similar to what Colton Clark had talked to us about, which is part of why Nikhil had, had trouble seeing the field previously. Is he doesn't throw tight spirals, which means when he kind of, he's got happy feet, when he starts to lose his accuracy, he really loses his accuracy. He's going to have to be on his A game to for Idaho to have a chance to score enough points because Eastern Washington defensively, like Chris has said, like I mean honestly, all of us have said, Eastern Washington they're strong against both the pass and. And the rush, they're the number two pass defense in the league. They're the number three rush defense in the league. So we're we're absolutely going to have to do something against an area that's a strength of Eastern Washington to be able to keep this game close, or or Friday would have a chance to say it, to uh, pick up that win we're talking about, which uh, I would be shocked if that's the projection most of us go. But predictions, Kyler, you are the guest. Oh, I still got keys to the game. Oh, I, I thought you'd gone. Okay, so yeah, Chris, jump in with your keys to the game. Uh, I think uh, from everything we're hearing, it is going to be a Nikhil uh, game, which means if I, uh, Eastern Washington was willing to stack the box against Mike Beaudry, you expect the exact same thing this week. So I know that that tends to make the the obvious choice be, well, that means is Nikhil going to be able to take advantage of the space behind the defense if they're running single high safety? I think it's the opposite. I think that is going to be the exact same plan. So I think it is going to be can Idaho's run game do just something more impressive than they did week one because they're going to be facing basically the exact same formation. You just got to be able to average more than what we did in week one. Big Penn's coming on. Romano seems to be looking to be one of the only few guys improving week to week. Um and then Roshan could really use a statement game before the fall. So I think it falls 100% on Idaho's run game. Uh, it's going to take a lot of taking the pressure off Idaho's offense. At the end of the day, we know Idaho is uh, – defense is going to play well. Can we just get ourselves enough points? That's how it's always been. We went up big against Eastern in 2019, and we luckily just got ourselves enough points and the clock ran out. Um, we just were able to get enough points in the very last second in week one. Uh, I think that's what it's going to come down to, and I don't think it's going to come through the run game – or, sorry, the pass game. I think this is going to be strictly can our run game keep drives alive and help keep the ball out of Barrier's hands? Um, because I think if we're giving Barrier a chance to what he throw in the last game, like 53 times or something, if we give him something like that, we're probably going to lose this game. But – if we can control the pace of game, use our defense to contain Barrier, force a couple three and outs, that is how you're going to pull off this win. With that, Kyler, what's your prediction, man? Yeah, um, I think Eastern Oak is overall playing better. And at home, we are a different animal. I think it's going to be more impressive to have Aaron Boston on the field to take away another one of – you know, Idaho's defenders, maybe even they pull a linebacker on a lot of our slant routes. Um, Aaron Bess is there. I think Eastern Washington wins 38-17. Chris? Um, so it's tough because Eastern Washington – well, it's not really that tough. But Eastern Washington does have close games, losing to Idaho, sneaking out of Idaho State. But you look at them at home, 45-13 against Northern Arizona, 62-10. 
against Cal Poly. And then we're able to win by 10 on the road at UC Davis. Um, just because we don't know if NAU is going to happen and ties are incredibly boring and Dallas and I are tied at three and one right now in Pickham. I will say somehow, some way, karma finds a way to Roos Field. Eastern lines up for about a 35-yard field goal, and it is actually wide right, 28-27 <laughs> Vandals. <laughs> now, will I, I put it. that on the pick em? Uh No, <laughs> but I, I want to win our pick em. Either I force Dallas to take them to tie me or the, the – Play the easy road and pray for no upset. <laughs> All right. And Boat, Boatman, who is not with us, he already picked Eastern winning 31-21 Dallas. Oh, boy. Uh, 52-21 Eastern. <laughs> Yikes. I, I, li- I like you, Dallas. You and think I like your I voice. Giving up 52 points? I mean – I think the Idaho secondary is awful. Eastern scored 32 points on UC Davis, 62 on Cal Poly, and then 46 and 45 against NAU and Idaho State. I feel like this is a letdown game. Idaho's going to give up a lot of points. I'm going to go. We with might the, need to make a side bet. I I'm going to go with oh, the letdown I love game. This confidence. <laughs> I'm going to go with the let get, letdown game as well. I don't know about hanging 52. I'm saying that because, um, look, Eastern just kind of walked. I mean, I from what I saw, Kyler, and you see your observation in the back it up. Eastern, yeah, they, they scored. They, they won 32-22 against Cal Poly, but it seemed more like, I don't know, 45-24, as, as in like the way the game itself played or felt. They scored 46 against Idaho State. I don't – I mean, even Idaho on a – although part of it was Idaho State was moving the ball to. I just don't think we're going to give up that many points, but I have very, very minimal faith in what we're going to see offensively because this is the most – look, Eastern is the best defense we've seen all season anyway, and they're clicking now. So I'm going to go Eastern wins 30, 35-21 in a game that, uh, I don't know, probably feels uglier than it actually is, but – you know, Idaho still has – I think Idaho is going to keep it almost respe- almost close enough for us to keep it respectable. But we, we have one last thing we have to touch on. We just got a question in from everyone's favorite tromboner, uh, Martin Heemstra. If Beaudry and CJ are both out, which it appears, based off what we understand, guys, Beaudry and CJ are out, how would you guys do Idaho's depth chart? Is Cisco – so Nikhil right now would be number one. But should Cisco, Nate Cisco, be our number two, or is there a wild card or a wild cat or a uh, a quarterback, a certain website, a wild cameo? Yeah, a, a, yeah. Is there a guy that a handful of vandals have aggressively had their eye on for quite some time, Chris? Uh, no, I think Cisco is definitely the two. Uh, and then if that doesn't work out, I'm guessing uh, was it. DJ Lee, who's the one who threw the ball to Hatton that used to play high school quarterback? I mean, <laughs> Boris is not coming in. Like, I can't believe we're still talking about this. I, <laughs> I, I don't know who's a walk-on on this team. I mean, actually, at that point, Boris is good enough. They would probably put Boris in. And I do think Boris could play quarterback. But Paul does not like him there. 
And so I just don't see – we all know Paul. Paul is not going to just have a change of heart overnight and be like, never mind, Boris, you're quarterback. I just – he will have him buried on the depth chart at quarterback until he has graduated. But I would like to start seeing him play somewhere. I think he's listed at running back now. Yeah, Dallas, uh, who would you put number two behind Nikhil? I would put Borish number two behind Nikhil. Um, I know he has not played quarterback at Idaho, and he's been listed as a defensive back, and I think he's now a running back, and I understand he's bounced all over the place. But he did play quarterback in high school. He was a good quarterback in high school. He was the Washington 3A player of the year. That's not something you just stick your nose up at. I do think we're at the point where we're talking about the first two quarterbacks are injured. If the third quarterback goes down, we're at the point of just looking at dudes off the street. So Borish makes sense to be at least something, maybe the number three, but I I would think he's the number two. The guy played really well in high school. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, Nathan Cisco is a touted quarterback. He's big arm out of Tennessee. Uh, he was like the ninth best quarterback from the state of Tennessee when we got him. He's two stars, has a higher two four seven composite rating. Like I, I just don't see Boris jumping that. Unfortunately, Cisco needs a lot of. He's a project. He's got the arm, a little lack of the accuracy and mobility. But I just Paul, I just don't see Paul getting out of his way. Whether Boris is more set right now than Cisco to start. If Nikhil goes down, it's Cisco. I, I mean. I don't see Paul doing anything else. If no, first off, I'm going to say I have to cheer for Boris just because I want to see the all vandals energy of the guy that they, Kyler, I don't know if you're aware of this. Our board has had a conspiracy theory forever that Zach Boris, this guy from tri cities was buried at quarterback buried as like a safety so that Mason Petrino wouldn't have competition. And that is a story that just won't die no matter what happens, even as Zach Boris stays in as slot as a non quarterback. So just for the fan, the fan board energy, I want Boris. They did pump it though. When they had him in the quarterback room this summer, like they did. They they purposely got this whole thing fired up again. Dude, so, they read it. They I don't care what they say. They have people who read it. Otherwise, they wouldn't. Why? Like, why would anyone make a big deal about? Hey, this non-quarterback is in a Zoom meeting with the quarterbacks, guys. But circling back, I we just have to hope that Nikhil's fine. I mean, maybe we're maybe we hope Nikhil is injured his hand or something like that. And that's why he was as inaccurate as he was for Idaho state. So the actual guy is close to what we saw against Southern Utah, but um, good, but I mean, good Lord. Uh, Nate Cisco has a negative touchdown to interception ratio in high school. I have no idea. Um, I mean, look, Paul knows more about quarterbacks than I do. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go too deep on this. I've never heard of a guy who had a negative touchdown to interception ratio in high school coming over and looking great. So we just have to hope that Nikhil is going to be all right. Before one last game question. Well, no, we got to go to the big sky. We got to go to the big sky pick them. And before that, we have to say a quick thank you, Chris, to uh, Hughes River. Would you like to do the honor? Cause you know, the jingle better than I do. I just say it with confidence, Brian. I don't know it. Uh, if you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States located right here in the great state of Idaho. 
Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. And you can even enjoy ones like the special trip to see the Purside Meteor Shower. Turns out we've been pronouncing that wrong the whole time. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and take in river all along, or history all along the river's edge. Come fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes and HRE will handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandaloned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882. That's 800-262-1882. Or check them out at HughesRiver.com. You know the jingle, dude. Like I told you, I before, I made after, like I just made it a jingle. It was just words well, before. <laughs> I know, I know you made it a jingle. That's why you know it better than he, I. But it, anyway, picking the big sky, guys. Um, also, uh, producer Dallas. While uh, Kyler tees off first, I don't know if Boatman sent us our pick. So for uh, hey, listeners, we're gonna bore you with some inside baseball stuff. I know. I think Boatman sent us our pick. So if while Kyler goes, can you try to look those up? Kyler, first yeah. question. We're gonna pick the big sky. Other teams are playing. Rivalry Week 2.0. Idaho State. Idaho State at Weber oh, State, Kyler. No, we're not going to start with the biggest rivalry. UC Davis at Coward Poly. No. Oh, yeah. Wrong oh, good team. lord. Yeah. Oh, dude. I was yeah. You got I, another one for that? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna close out. On, I was gonna close out on that. Idaho State at Weber State, Kyler. Um, even though, you know, Idaho state doesn't look too bad. Weber kind of handled them. They have the style to beat an Idaho state. I'm going Weber. Dallas. Uh, so I've got Boatman up. Boatman's picking Weber. Uh, he did not explain if this was against the spread or if this was straight. Uh, <laughs> so, spread. That's what he said he's doing. Yeah. He said, it was that's whatever so, it goes. He's, he's taking goes. Weber with the spread. <laughs> I, I mean, I got to go with Weber. They're, I know they have not looked great the last few weeks, but that's that's Jay Hill's team. Win ugly, and they don't care about scoring points. I think the perfect Jay Hill game would be nine to six if he had his his way. Uh, so way, way to throw a Weber Eastern Washington dig on Eric Berrier's second start nine to six. What a jerk! <laughs> Sorry, I, I might have looked that up beforehand. Uh, so uh, it's got to be Weber, Chris. Uh, so this game, for some reason, people think it's going to be frisky. I get it because Idaho State's been frisky all year. But if Idaho State didn't get done in Holt Arena, that spooky venue, they're definitely not getting done in Ogden. Um, I think Weber wins and may have just gotten the win impressive enough that people get off their backs about their last two wins. I think that's a little bit more of it to me, Chris, is I'm going to pick Weber. I, I think we've already seen Weber win when they played the worst they were possibly going to play last week in Southern Utah. And I, I again, Idaho State defensively, I, Weber is not awful offensively. I just don't think Idaho State defensively has what it would take uh, to, to make this game that close. Our favorite game, Kyler, the game all of us look forward to every single year Somehow more than Northern Colorado, Southern Utah, which will always be my favorite unofficial rivalry. Shit, that I don't know how that's not the the keystone game the entire Big Sky season. Northern Arizona at Southern Utah, Kyler. Man, this is a battle of two titans. Um, this is one of those games. Playoffs are on the line. Uh, yeah, um, I'm gonna say 
let's just have the series go one and one just because it's the Grand Canyon rivalry or whatever they want to call it. Let's have Southern Utah get a win on their way out of the big sky forever. I'm back in the Southern fall, Utah. Eh, well, I don't care about them. So we can always dream. <laughs> uh, Southern Utah gets it done on a last second touchdown like NAU did last time. I doubt. Uh, so Boatman's also going with Southern Utah. I got to go Southern Utah as well. It's so hard to beat a team twice. And while, yes, NAU looked good against Weber, or good, quote unquote, Southern Utah has been pretty consistently in games. I think that this game is this game is going to be pretty easily won by Southern Utah. Chris? I'm with Dallas. Uh, I think Southern Utah is finally over the close games, and this one they actually probably have the biggest margin of victory this week. I think they curb stomp NAU uh, and really ride this this surge, and they'll be everybody's favorite dark horse contender when we're talking about the fall. Uh, but that being said, I'm rooting for NAU because if you're leaving the big sky, then screw you. Although we need some teams to leave. So thank you, but screw you. Chris Ball at Northern Arizona is continuing his tour of trying to remind Montana State fans how close he was to Jeff Choate's position as a finalist the same year Choate was hired. And good Lord, uh, should Bobcat fans be happy with what happened there so far. I'm going to pick Southern Utah. I think Southern Utah, what this game is going to feel like is the last couple weeks, Southern Utah was maxing out on their bench, getting their one rep max, annihilating their form to get it up. Northern Arizona is going to be when you, you're not even do, trying to rep out. You throw all the weight off the bar, and you feel like you are throwing that thing to the ceiling. Southern Utah, no question. Uh, UC Davis against Coward Poly. Just throw it in because Chris likes to pick against Coward Poly because they're not playing. Yeah, they uh, forfeited. UC Davis. Exactly. Mercy 100 to zero. Yep, Mercy ruled themselves. The other game, Big Sky, kind of, an emphasis on this. This is kind of, man. Uh the hated rivals Chris already uh, alluded Huge to earlier, rivals. almost as big rivals as Idaho is with Simon Frazier. Montana's playing an exhibition. Now, this is not, I mean, some people Whoa. might call it a game. I'm not calling this game. This is an exhibition. This is Montana, a major game. Montana hosting Central Washington this week. Kyler, not only, you know, first just pick the game. Kyler, how much is Montana winning by? Um, Central Washington probably wins by at least... 13, 14, um, just because Montana is absolutely trash, garbage. Um, no, I'll be honest. Uh, Montana should win, even though Central Washington has given Montana and Eastern Thank Washington you. scares in the past. Uh, and but Idaho. Mon- <laughs> yeah, in Idaho. Central Washington is a legit D2 team who seems to play the big sky fairly well, but it seems like after we took you know their head coach, they have not done as well. Um, so I think Montana wins a good 65-14. Dallas, do we if they're even keeping score? I don't even know if they're keeping score in this fake game. They're doing the hoop fest thing where you uh there's a person, they're not actually lining up the board. There's a person with those blue and red flip signs. Um, no. I tried I tried to volunteer, but um Grizz fan, Bobby Hauk, he literally said we compete at all things. If we do anything, there's a score. If it's checkers, which he uses all the time, so yeah, they'll be keeping score. He said, this is a game. We don't do anything to not compete. Yeah, and, you know, we, yeah, you know, we, we could go on the Bobby Hauk, go over the Bobby Hauk circle jerk all we want, I guess. But uh, 
Brian, will you repeat that? I completely lost every word you yeah, just said. Yeah, did you bump your mute button? That was crazy. I heard circle jerk and got excited. <laughs> yeah, you just left us with circle jerk. <laughs> I think you're muted. You're, yeah. I don't know how that muted because the program muted me. I have not touched mute. But anyway, we did. We did it. Yeah, Dallas talked about Sony's porn last time. I'm talking about circle jerks now. Um, we're taking this in a more edgy direction. We just need more viewers, guys. Share tubs of the club. Um, Dallas, are we going to learn anything from Montana Central Washington? Uh, we're going to learn that Montana leads the league in feel-good points. Chris, we learn anything here? I mean, that they really get hype for Central Washington. Have you seen the hype video? Like, man, you'd think they're rolling out for the Super Bowl against the, the 85 Bears. I mean, holy smokes, Montana is ready for this game. Their team is Fired up and ready to go. They've got a Bronco coming out at quarterback and camp mother effing Humphreys. Let's go, Montana. Welcome to the season that everyone else has been playing for five weeks and yours doesn't count, but like, woohoo! Yeah, I just participation trophies all around. (laughs) I just listened to the voice of the Grizz on um, on an ESPN show that we all like talk about how basketball players having hype videos made by their universities when they make jump shots is a problem. I think you would have to go to go back like, hey, dude, that university that pays you, they hyped a D2 game that doesn't count for any sort of record. So uh, if that's a cultural issue, please uh, restate restate your take talking about UM only, which Kyler, and we're going to move through this real fast. But my pick, I, I, oh, I, I have my yeah. score prediction. Yeah. Montana is going to win by 24 hugs to 13 kisses. Oh, man. Circle jerk. That, that's it. And that's 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 multiple transmissions there too. But uh, Kyler, Montana, we already talked about their plans in Central Washington, then uh, Portland State for spring ball. I think the tone of us talking about this gives us our answer anyway, but which spring ball style got it right? Playing an actual season like Idaho and Eastern did, where you have your ups and downs, like, I mean, Idaho has for sure. Or uh, Montana playing two exhibition games, which was the right call. I mean... Obviously, one team's playing for something. The other team is just having a glorified spring scrimmage. If you're going to ask me which team is doing it right, it's the team that's actually involved in the FCS season. Um, I think there's more on the line than beating Central Washington by 84 points, which that's what Montana should do. Yeah, I mean, I I don't get it. If you're not willing to play in the spring season, why are you scheduling two fake games? Um, I'm not. Not a big fan of it, but oh well. I mean, it gives them reps for getting ready for the fall, so at least they're doing something. But yeah, spring season all the way. And then Dallas and Chris, I know both of you are going to have takes about this, so uh, producer Hammer, take it away. Yeah, I mean, I think that what Montana is doing is stupid. It's a spring game against other bodies. Like, really? You couldn't just practice for two weeks and then have a scrimmage and say, yeah, both teams played really hard. Silver team was really good, but so was the gold team. Like, spring football is stupid. This is an actual real season that the FCS is trying to put on, and so what all of the rest of the teams in the Big Sky are doing actually makes some kind of sense because it's real competition. What Montana's doing against Central Washington, nobody's going to give a shit about a month from now. And Chris, I'm sure you're similar. I'm just worried about this game. It's supposed to be the highest 44, the lowest 27. It's supposed to be cloudy. It might be real rough weather in Montana. They might just have to cancel the whole game. Worried about it. 
See, you guys are missing the big point, though. Obviously, our season's not legit. The, the worst team in the history of football quit playing. That's so how, how, like, how could the rest of our games matter if Cal, if Cal Poly's out? So, I mean, you're obviously, right. you're right. Obviously, my take. Um, look, if you're a Grizz fan and your team canceled, like, full disclosure, you have to understand they didn't play because they knew they're going to look bad. Now, they don't have practice facilities. So, like, that, that is correct, a reasonable thing to be concerned about if you're a Grizz fan. But just be under no illusions. They didn't play because they're going to get their ass kicked this season. They would have looked fine in the fall when they had regular prep. They're doing this so they can feel good heading into the next season. So, yeah, I, I think the jury's in for all of us. Uh, we're we're a little bit more into what we did for our spring. We're running long, so we got sprint. Through. I'm just glad Eastern Washington was able to build that nice indoor facility before the season started. We have a really nice one. Oh, yeah. We, we call those basketball courts, right? <laughs> no, they're tennis courts. <laughs> it's in a bubble. <laughs> My bad, dude. Uh, we do have some basketball news we're going to have to try to sprint through. Uh, Taylor Cash, hashtag Ask Tubbs, is the West Coast Conference a three-bid conference now? Reason he's bringing that up is our listeners already know Shantae Leggins is the coach of the Portland Pilots now. He also uh, pulled Michael Meadows, sophomore guard from Eastern Washington, as well as Tyler Robertson, freshman forward, one big guy freshman of the year. Both those guys went to Portland. Side note, Jacob Davison from Eastern went to Cal Poly, so he's not following Shantae. No news on the Groves brothers yet, but start with Kyler. Does, is the West Coast Conference a three-bid conference now that uh, – Shantae has taken his talents west. I think the West Coast Conference, every single year, they get better and better, and Gonzaga is continuing to put more and more money in that conference. I think every year the WCC is a two- to three-bid conference no matter what. Um, do I think Portland re- <laughs> elevates the conference right now? No, Shantae's got a lot of work out for him, even if he brings a whole Eastern Washington staff. I mean, you have to play BYU. You have to play St. Mary's, who they lost to. You have to play Gonzaga. I mean, Shantae Leggins makes Portland better, but he doesn't make overall the WCC better until he starts getting quite a bit of guys, not just former Eastern players, and he turns around that program. So St. Mary's, BYU, Gonzaga, those are still the teams to beat right now. San Francisco looks a lot better. Um, but Portland, hopefully, instead of going 0-105 or whatever they did, maybe they're a middle-of-the-road WCC team next year. Yeah, I would, I would have to say this is still a two-bid league. Uh, realistically, it's Gonzaga and BYU. If Even if the entirety of this year's Eastern team moved to Portland with Lagan, so we're, we're talking the Groves brothers, Jacob Davis, and everybody went to Portland, I still don't think this team contributes enough to that conference to give them three bids, which would have been Gonzaga, BYU, and, and Portland. The, the bottom of their conference is just too weak at this point. I, I know Gonzaga is pouring so much money into that conference with, with how much they win in the tournament, but until teams like Santa Clara, San Francisco, and San Diego can actually be more than a 500 team once every three years, there's no chance that, that they're going to get three bids for a while. Haven't they had three bids? Didn't St. Mary's, BYU, and Gonzaga get in one year? BYU was a part of the Mountain West at the time. So it was like right after they transferred, then um, yeah. But I mean, they I mean, have in my three opinion, caliber yeah. teams. They have three teams that could easily be a three. Does Leggins going there make them a four-team bid or an automatic three? Hell no. But it, I think they're already flirting with two to two to three every year. I mean, St. Mary's has put out some really stink good teams. I'm actually shocked to hear that St. Mary's, BYU, and Gonzaga have not all made the tournament in the same year. To be honest, that just baffled me. 
So if the question is, does Shante change the power dynamic in the West Coast? At the bottom. No. <laughs> uh, right, right at the bottom, maybe. Um, he does have a little bit of talent coming. But, I mean, Terry Porter just failed in Portland. He has NBA connections. He is loved in Portland. He played for the Portland Trailblazers. Not saying Shante can't do it, but I'm saying until he does it, he hasn't done it. So we're certainly not changing the conference status based off something that has not happened yet. I will say I kind of hope the Groves brothers go to Portland. Um, I love keeping the storyline alive of Shante just raiding the Eastern Washington department on his way out of town, uh, mostly because if I'm an Eastern fan, if that happens, I'm pissed. If it doesn't happen, I mean, look, people just transferred because he left. Jacob Davison wasn't going to go to Portland because he didn't start this year. There's no way he's following the guy who demoted him. Um, and he also got to go to Cal Poly. Portland's a good school. Cal Poly's a great school. Last transfer news for Idaho, Scott Blakeney, guy we talked about a ton, definitely best player from the Idaho team, has signed with the Grizz. I'm going to guess we're all pretty universal in saying great for Scott to get on the program that is much more stable than Idaho. Uh, hope he gets a shot at making the NCAA tournament through Montana. Of course, I want my Vandals to win instead. But good news for Scott. We knew he'd get, a, get offers somewhere based off recruiting news. He had a he had a lot of schools to pick from, and he chose to stay localish. Not a surprise. He's from Prosser, Washington. Stayed Northwest-ish. So congrats, Scott. No news on Idaho guys in the transfer portal, uh, either coming to the school or exiting the school beyond Scott. And with that, Chris, I think it's time to close the bar. Yeah, we'll make this bar quick. Uh, Kyler, tell the people how to find you. Yeah, um, you can find me right there. Kyler EPH on Twitter, or you can look I us see. up on Eagles Power Hour and all of that stuff. You know, whatever you want to do, troll me. I like Believe it. Believe it or not, we, we still have a pretty strong audio only podcast listener. So at Kyler um, EPH is good. Uh, but apologizes. Anywho, uh, we'll all be around. Uh, gosh, maybe we'll see with what Kyler's doing. That could be fun depending on how the game goes for our live reaction about 30 minutes to an hour after the game on Pluto TV. Um, SUU prediction. Oh, oops. Uh, it's now time for the best band in all land. Play us out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.